0: Anyone who's a fan of Downton Abbey will appreciate an outing to one of the great estate houses of England. Quite a few are open to the public, and many have events and exhibits throughout the year. Roy Nichols and Jillian Chadwick are back with us today on Travel with Rick Steves to help us find some of the most interesting examples of these grand estates that we can explore on our next trip to England. Roy and Gillian, welcome back.
1: Hello. Nice to be here. It's a pleasure, Rick.
0: So when I think of these grand houses, Gillian, in the countryside, would you call these palaces or manor houses or exactly what are they?
1: We generally call them stately homes.
0: Stately homes. Uh,
1: You can only have a palace if you're royal. And there's one other palace in the country. It's called Blenheim Palace near Oxford. And that's because it was given from a very grateful nation to the first Duke of Marlborough. And he built it, had it built.
0: After Uh, Waterloo, wasn't
1: it? No, after the War of Spanish Succession. After the War of Spanish Succession. In the early 18th century. And the nation was so grateful that he was given a large amount of money to build a palace.
0: So we have Blenheim Palace.
1: Blenheim Palace, yeah. It's our equivalent of Versailles, really.
0: And that's like the ultimate palace to see in the countryside of of England, apart from uh, castles, I think.
1: Yeah, except there are many that are just as grand they're not called palaces like chatsworth
0: and those uh, are the stately Duke homes devonshire
1: yes yeah
0: now roy when you think about england it, it seems to me there there's still a heritage of class distinction of nobles and aristocrats that lives on to this day even though the design of the modern society is not for well, aristocrats I, I, to be vast landholders well obviously the aristocracy still exists but their role
2: in society has been taken over as the movers and shakers of society and of the economic world by New political and economic dynasties. But I think there there is a residue of that sort of class distinction. They still hang on to most of their large houses. Their estates are much reduced. And of course, after two world wars, the economy of these states becomes impossible. But nonetheless, I think there is a reminder there. Just to keep them up, it must be quite expensive. To... Oh, yeah. tens and tens of thousands of pounds every week. Just to keep the roof from leaking and to basic pay the maintenance. Just maintenance, imagine yeah. cleaning the
0: windows in somewhere like Castle Howard or Blenheim Palace. Mm. So let's talk about a few of these great houses. Where might you get a sense of the aristocracy to this day? Are there any that really give you a sense that would be good for visiting?
1: Well, definitely Blenheim Palace, and one that's become extremely popular, of course, is Highclere which is the stately home used as
0: Downton Abbey. So that's one of the places that everybody wants to go to. From a traveling point of view, uh, what's it like? if, If you're a fan of Downton Abbey, what do you actually see that you might see on the TV show and so on?
1: To be perfectly honest, I've never actually been there. It's really difficult to get in. Demand is so high, it's difficult to get a place there.
0: Roy, what
2: do you know about? Well, ever since, as Gillian was saying, you know, being filming Downton Abbey there, ever since it's become famous in the States, you have to wait a year, 18 months in advance for a place to go and see it. So it's very, very difficult.
0: You know, this Downton Abbey is just, it's just a phenomenon in the United States. Is it that big of a deal in Britain also? I think it is. I must be one of the few people that have never actually seen an episode (laughs) of Downton Abbey. But Jillian, have you seen it? I have, yes. And it, can you understand the the intrigue that it it causes in the United States?
1: Not really. No, yeah. I think it's a bygone era. And I watched a couple of series, but now so it's I've probably, had it's probably of
0: more it. exciting for Americans yeah. than English because you've grown up with it and you're like so what. It's yeah, and we've another. had
1: lots of programs like that, whereas All Americans right. haven't seen so many programs like that. But they're obsessed with
0: it. Americans are. I know. Yeah,
1: incredible. Right?
0: This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about the great houses of England. We're joined by Gillian Chadwick and Roy Nichols. Roy, when I think about British aristocracy, I think of eccentrics. People who are, if you could get a little look in their back (laughs) closet, you'd find all sorts of interesting stuff. Eccentric is such a polite way. (laughs) (laughs) Polite way of putting it. How can you enjoy the eccentricity of the English
2: nobility with your sightseeing? Well, there are several places, and one that does come to mind is Stanway House that's owned by the Earl of Weems, who's, a, in fact, it's a Scottish title, I believe. And he's, he has a certain eccentricity. I think being an aristocrat and being eccentric go hand in hand. This is Stanway in the Cotswolds. Yeah, Stanway is not a town. It's a little village. A little tiny village, and it's uh, a and very it's a, small village. Well, it's that very traditional. It's one of the few last examples of what we would think of in a state village. In other words, there is a heart to the village, which is the big house, Stanway mm-hmm. House, and then all the people that work on the estate would live in cottages and farms as
0: satellites I to the big house. I didn't realize that. You know, because I've been there a number of times, and it's true. It seems like the entire village was built to support the the, the, the big mansion, house, yeah, yeah, the big house. And it's it's not new because originally, what
2: became Stanway House was actually owned by the Abbot of Gloucester, I think, and it was a
0: monastic settlement, and it, it sort of worked in exactly the same way. Now, the Earl of Weems is this, like, textbook example of the impoverished aristocracy. He well, imp- owns, he's land-rich, but it feels like he's cash-poor. I was going to say impoverished is a... Is yeah, you can't feel yeah, sorry relative, for him, even yeah. though he
2: has patches on his old tuxedo. Yeah. Um, and I, I suspect he, that's the way he wants it, but he's a delightful man. We've met him several times, and he's a very, very nice man. He always makes a point of coming in and saying hello to visitors.
0: Now, he opens his house up to the public, and, mm-hmm. and it's almost like the grandchildren of his grandparents' former peasants are there welcoming the public and being docents in the different rooms around his house. Absolutely. Why does he do that, Gillian? Uh,
1: it's just full of his little memorabilia. And one of my favorite things is the, oh, that chaise lounge that's got wine stains on it. By chippendale
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: he uses the furniture he does he's got, got that exercising would... chair yeah, oh the exercising chair yeah. and, he, and
0: it, they didn't have treadmills back then but you could bounce up and down on it on a big spring that's right and he said it was what does he say it was good for his liver or something yeah. like that
1: and he's got knickknacks
0: all over the place and that family tree for the dogs of the family and you can go out into his tithe what, what's the concept of a tithe barn
1: that's when uh, peasants used to pay a tenth of their, their stock every year, whether it was grain or whatever it was, and it was kept in a barn. It was stored there. So, so that was their payment to the Lord.
0: All these wretched peasants all around yeah. in their little huts. They were and revolting. then he's got this incredible house, and he's got a big barn, and once a year everybody brings a tenth of all of their mm-hmm. stuff and puts it in his barn. Yep. And today, the funny thing is, in order to pay his bills, he's got to open his house up to the unwashed masses, and we yeah. get to go in and, and tromp through there and even look upstairs in his bedroom and As see Gillian what As Gillian mentioned reading. earlier on, it was the wealth taxes and the
2: death duties of the post-war period that impoverished all these estates. And they all had to start opening up to the public. I do like Stanway House, though, because he still, to a great extent, maintains that tradition of a large estate. And he has a very strong commitment to the people who live and work on the estate. Mm, Um,
0: I I get that feeling that there is a solidarity there Mm. and everybody's together. And he just is a genuinely good soul and at the same time kind of a quirky uh, example. I'm sure that so many of the large landowners, the aristocrats,
2: felt totally and utterly removed from the people that work for them. Certainly he's certainly more
0: connected. Nearby is another great house. It's just like in the next village in the Cotswolds, there's snowshell.
2: Well, Snow Hill is owned by the National Trust these days, but mm-hmm. for decades it was owned by a gentleman called Charles Paget Wade. Now, he'd gone away to the First World War, come back severely mentally damaged, and essentially became a recluse, a recluse and a collector. And so he, fabulously wealthy and mentally damaged after the war with a big mansion. And what he does is start collecting, and he collects anything and everything, bicycles, kitchen equipment, garden equipment, paintings. There is hardly a topic that he didn't collect. It got to the point where every room in the main house was so full, he moved out to the gardener's cottage and then promptly filled that as well. All the barns, all the sheds, everything was full of it. And then when he died in the 1970s, was it really in the 1970s he died? He left it to the National Trust and they spent five years sorting the house out and cataloging and putting it in some sort of order. I love the family motto,
0: let nothing perish. Let nothing <laughs> perish. <laughs> it was true, I couldn't believe it. I'm going through all this. It's like the ultimate hoarder's house. Let's say you get the, somebody who's really, really rich who's a hoarder, and then at the very end you learn the family motto is Let Nothing no. Perish. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about great houses and eccentric wealth in England, and we're joined by Gillian Chadwick and Roy Nichols. Our phone number is 877 Rebecca's calling from Birmingham in Alabama. Rebecca, thanks for your call. Certainly. Yeah, what's your experience with great houses in England or stately houses?
3: Well, I've been to several of the ones that you've mentioned already Lime Park and Chatsworth. And I was one of the lucky few who got to go to High Clear Castle. And it is incredible. I spent about a year over there teaching. And I lived in a small village. And there was a grand estate there that I really hadn't seen on many travel books. And I thought it was incredible. And what it's called was that? Woburn Abbey. Oh, yeah.
0: Woburn Abbey. Tell mm-hmm. us about it.
3: It is in Bedfordshire, and it is where the Duke and Duchess of Bedfordshire live. Their family has a very long history there. There was some sort of story that they used to be earls, and then one of them, the earl, was beheaded by the king for some sort of punishment, and then they realized they had made mistakes, so they made him a duke, and so the family after that became dukes. It's a huge estate. There is a deer park there, and they are known for, I think they're nine or ten varieties of deer that they have brought in from different places in the world, and they're very involved in conserving some of the lesser-known breeds of deer.
0: And are you able to wander through the actual house and get a sense of it?
3: Yes, absolutely. They are not really open in the winter months, but in the spring and summer months, they're open a lot of the week, and it was probably one of the houses where I got to explore the most. You get to go through on your own pace, and there are volunteer guides in most of the rooms tell you some fun facts. As an elementary school teacher, I thoroughly enjoyed the children's guide where you could search for things as you went. Queen Victoria stayed there at one point, and the room that she stayed in is still all decked out for her. Wow. And she even, as a thank you, drew some sketches for the family, and those are up on the wall.
0: Queen Victoria drew some sketches. Now, Rebecca, when when you are going through these various houses and sites in England, you mentioned the volunteer guides in each room. I've always found that they are so eager to talk, and if you just want to strike up a conversation, you're going to have a fascinating insight into things you'd never appreciate otherwise.
3: I fully agree with that. I enjoy using the audio guides wherever possible, but the volunteer guides were definitely much more knowledgeable, and I could ask questions to them, so... Very nice. Um, And they were very passionate about where they were as well.
0: Nice. So, Rebecca, that's Wilburn Abbey.
3: Yes, sir. And
0: where is that exactly?
3: It is about 45 minutes north of London. It's in Bedfordshire. Milton Keynes is probably the closest larger city near it.
0: The Duke of Bedford. When I'm really tired, I always feel like I'm going to climb the... What is the the saying? The wooden
1: stairs to the... Bedfordshire. Wooden stairs to, to, to Bedfordshire. Bedfordshire. that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I find that so
0: charming. Uh, <laughs> uh, Good night. I'm going to climb the wooden stairs to Bedfordshire.
1: And that's where afternoon tea was invented as well. Afternoon tea At was invented. Woburn in... Abbey by the Duchess
3: of Bedford, yeah.
0: Well, that's one reason to celebrate Warburn Abbey right Absolutely. there. Rebecca, thanks for your oh, yeah. call.
3: You can even have afternoon tea there. You can. Did you do that? Oh, uh, multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: There's must be great. Describe what afternoon tea is exactly, Rebecca.
3: Well, I believe it was invented by one of the duchesses there for that sinking afternoon feeling. That's right. As I understand it, they Absolutely. used to eat much later dinner meals. And so she and her ladies-in-waiting would have this afternoon tea, and all of the ones that I had were three layers. The first layer that you start with is little this finger is, sandwiches. This is the
0: little trolley, that fancy like silver-plated trolley they bring, and it's got three little tables on it, mm. each one smaller exactly. than the one below it. Okay.
3: The bottom layer is the first layer, and it is finger sandwiches, like cucumber sandwiches, or I think I had some salmon sandwiches and things like that. Nice. And then the middle layer is scones with clotted cream and jam. Mm. And then the top layer is some sort of sweet, like a chocolate candies or things like that.
0: So you're down at one of those every afternoon, and you're going to have to buy two (laughs) airplane tickets to get home. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. All right. Rebecca, that sounds like a, another reason to go to Woburn. I, I have not been there, and it's, I'm going to put it on my list. Thanks for your call.
3: Certainly. Thank you.
0: Take care. Bye now.
3: Bye.
0: Patty's calling from Port Ludlow in Washington. Patty, thanks for your call. You're welcome. What's, your, what, what's the word again, Jillian, for these big houses in the countryside? Stately homes. Stately homes. <laughs> Do you have an experience with a stately home in England, Patty? <laughs>
3: I'd like to know if Chatsworth is open now, because I've either read or seen it on TV that the Duchess had died and that they were closed. So is that temporary or...?
0: So this is the Chadsworth in the Cutswolds, right?
3: Chatsworth. Yes. uh-huh.
0: No, Chadsworth House is it's in Derbyshire. in Derbyshire, yes. Yeah. In Derbyshire. Mm. Now, the, the Duchess did die.
2: She died in the autumn of 2014. And although the house probably was closed, obviously, in mourning for the death of the Duchess, they do tend to close in the winter time, anyway, mm-hmm. and so they would reopen again, usually sort of Easter time, maybe March, depending when Easter is. And it would make sense they close in the winter if there's really not much traffic. Well, there. they use the time for refurbishment and, yeah. and cleaning mm-hmm. and all those other things. Very nice. Sure. Okay.
3: And is that is that one that you would get tickets online for an, ahead of time?
2: I think it is. Like a lot of them, you can buy tickets in advance. It's probably If you have a very specific time when you need to be there, then that's the best way to go, Patty.
0: Of all these great palaces and houses that we're talking about, are there any that really do have a, a crowd challenge that you have to be concerned about long lines? I suppose Blenheim might be.
1: Uh, not usually. Not usually. No, so you can so normally huge. just show up. Yeah, yeah. The, and there's a lot of space there with gardens yeah. and other things to do apart from the house. Oh, that's
0: great. Patty, thanks for your call. You're welcome. Thank you. You bet. And speaking of gardens, when you think about gardens, ah, the garden at Blenheim is incredible, Mm. the the gardens at Hidcote Manor. Can you talk a little bit about gardens associated with these great buildings?
1: There's so many different kinds of gardens. For example, Blenheim, they tend to be more formal in the French style. But then there's the wilder gardens of Hidcote. And a wonderful place to visit is Highgrove, which is where Prince Charles lives. And there are special tours around the gardens with his private gardeners. Is that right? Yeah. With Charles's it's private m- gardeners? magical. He doesn't do it himself, no. usually. And that's also another one that you have to book in advance. It's quite difficult to, oh, okay. to get into.
0: And Roy, if you're thinking of gardens in England, anything come to mind that we'd want to... Well, be... I, I do
2: prefer the smaller cottage gardens. Mm-hmm. So if you were to go to places like Sissinghurst, which is not really, strictly speaking, a manor house these days, mm-hmm. or a stately home, because... That was destroyed in the 18th century. But of course, this is Vita Sackville West's famous garden in Sissinghurst, and that's a beautiful garden. But there are other uh, houses. They can be divided between the big stately homes and the smaller manor houses. They do vary so much in size, and the smaller ones tend to
0: have the smaller intimate gardens. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been talking about grand English houses, palaces, manor houses, which come with beautiful gardens, and a warm welcome, in a lot of cases, to us travelers. We've been joined by Gillian Chadwick and Roy Nichols. Just to cap off our conversation, Roy and Gillian, can you just share one special moment that might inspire us to get the most out of it, taking a little extra time when we're in England to check out the, the grand houses? Gillian.
1: Well, for example, in Blenheim Palace, the gardens there are so enormous Designed by Lancelot Brown, better known as Capability Brown, because he had the capability to transform the landscape. And if you can't walk all the gardens, you can get in a golf cart and you're transported around these beautifully landscaped gardens. And a a and it's very just posh magical. way to do the gardens oh, yes. in a very
2: posh sort of setting. Absolutely. Nice. And Roy? Well, one of my favourite houses is Longleat in Wiltshire. Owned by the Marquis of Bath, who's the ultimate in eccentric aristocrats, uh, to the extent that he actually had an unofficial harem at one point. And you can actually go along to Longleat. There's a great lake in front of the house, and you take a Mississippi steamboat around the lake. <laughs> Talk about eccentric and over the top. Yes, it is very eccentric. And that's long, where is that Longleat in in Wiltshire, just uh, sort of north and west of Salisbury. North and west of Salisbury. How far from London? Probably about 120 miles All right, south and west. Roy Nichols, Gillian Chadwick, thanks so much for
0: joining us.
1: Thank you.
2: Pleasure.
0: Rick Steves teaches smart travel to England, Scotland, Ireland, and beyond. At ricksteves.com,
2: you'll find an archive of interviews from his radio show, free audio tours, a monthly travel newsletter, and a world of information to help you turn your travel dreams into smooth and affordable reality. To gear up for your next adventure in Great Britain or Ireland,
0: Begin your trip at ricksteves.com.